I said, Sam, his name was Sam Rappas. I said, Sam, will you teach me everything? Just all of it, all of it. I mean, he was so wealthy and so happy and just all the things I wanted to have in my life. So I said, at 19, I said, Sam, will you teach it all to me? And he said, okay, I will. But I want one thing from you. When the time is right, and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many people as you can everything I teach you. Hello and welcome to Self Talk. I'm Rachel Astarte. Today, my guest is E.A. Solkovitz. He is the founder and patriarch of Givers University, and he's also the author of the Give to Be Great series of courses and books. E.A., welcome to Self Talk. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you for having me on your great podcast. Yeah, thank you for being here. So, a lot to cover. Um, Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started. Well, uh, I live in Michigan now, and uh, I was born and raised in the Chicagoland area, mm-hmm. and my father was a milkman, and, uh, you know, back then milk was in uh, gallon gla- glass gallons, yeah. and outside every house was the milkman uh, box, you know, that, and you know the amazing thing, Rachel, as I look back, uh, every one of the milkman boxes outside someone's house, they all had money in it, and not one time did anyone ever touch it. No one touched it. That was milkman money. You just didn't touch it. Sacred. <laughs> yeah, I know. Different times, right? And yeah. uh, and and my father had his own, you know, one truck uh, for Twin Oaks Dairy out of Chicagoland area, and and uh, he was a delivery man. Had his own delivery truck, and so we'd get up at three in the morning when I helped him, and uh, go chop up big blocks of ice and put it on top of the milk because the delivery trucks that went in the neighborhoods weren't refrigerated, only the big eighteen mm-hmm. wheelers back then, right? So yeah. you, you had to keep it the milk chilled, and so we chopped up six foot blocks of ice down into smaller pieces and put them on the milk. And it was great. I had uh, very favorable, you know, and and happy thoughts about, you know, that experience. At 16, I became a janitor and I had two profound events happen that really shaped ultimately Givers University coming about um, going all the way back to when I was 16. Uh, I, at 16 years old, I was able to be bonded as, and I worked for a janitorial service at that point, got a job as a janitorial service as a janitor. Uh, didn't mind doing that because business was always picking up. What? Anyway, so the, uh, so here I was as a janitor, 16, and I was able to be bonded, which means I could be insured and I could go in expensive businesses. If my buffer hit something, insurance company would pay for it, right? That also allowed me to be in really expensive homes as well. And one of the homes I cleaned every single Wednesday, when I say her name, it won't mean anything to your listeners until I make the movie reference. <laughs> um, there was a movie out a few years back. It'll be out for years to come for sure, because actually it's quite a good view. Uh, and the name of the movie is called The Founder. It's about McDonald's and uh, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. Okay. And, uh, and and actually, it's a it, if you haven't seen it, it's a good view. Okay. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, it says this is based on a true story. That's true. It's based on a true story. It's not the true story. It's just based on it, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but there are a lot of events that are that did take place that were uh, uh, that are nodded to in the movie. And Ray Kroc, by the way, was not the way I lived that whole phenomenon. I was there. I lived at where the world headquarters of McDonald's was in the Greater Oak wow. Brook area. So I, in my lifetime, I witnessed the whole thing. Right. Ray was not the way he's portrayed in the movie. That's just Hollywood spin, making an evil guy, you know, or a corporate guy kind of thing. He wasn't that way. Anyway, that being said, Michael Keaton, who plays Ray Kroc, 
talks to a lady outside his office during the entire movie, right? That lady, her name is June Martino. That lady is the lady whose house I cleaned every Wednesday. Oh, wow. And, and so when I met her, she already had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's. So she was an icon of the area. Everyone knew who June Martino was. <clears throat> and, and she was an amazing woman. And so I was, I was in her house every Wednesday. She knew who I was. I, very nice, by the way, which was quite a curiosity for me because mm. for some reason I thought in order to be successful, you know, and I don't know where it came from, Rachel, but I thought you had to be a jerk or an idiot or take advantage right. of people. You know, yeah, she yeah. was just the opposite. I mean, so approachable and so nice. In fact, if I was buffing the floor and looking down and she walked through, she would say hi, even if I hadn't even looked up. I mean, just really nice, right? Mm -hmm. So one day she told me the whole McDonald's story. I asked her and she took me in the kitchen, told me the entire story, which basically chronicles the movie, which is extraordinary. And she told me about how Ray had an impact on her, mm -hmm. you know, as like a mentor. I didn't know what a mentor was, you know, back then. I you know, didn't even know how to spell it. I think I spent my hooked on phonics money on something else. And I, so, so, you know, that's a reference for people going no, back. No, like you, my age. Like yeah, I know what hooked on phonics. That's why I laugh. If you, know, if you know what hooked on phonics was, <laughs> I love you know, it. it's a, yeah, it's a okay. reference. So, the, <laughs> so I didn't know what a mentor was, but I remember thinking, Rachel, if I could just find a Ray Kroc. Mm -hmm. And I just threw it out there, you know, just oh, in the never, go. never land. I said, you know, where would my Ray Kroc be? It certainly didn't work out too bad for her. I'm cleaning her million dollar mansion. She had a full-time maid and butler and I'm doing like the pool <laughs> and buffing the floors and more of the heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, man, if I could just find a Ray Kroc, someone that could bring me under their wing, I don't even know what I don't know. The only thing I know is that I don't know whatever it is. That's all it is. You know, I don't even know what it is I don't know. Right. And I thought, if I could find this person. It wasn't about two or three months later. I got a phone call at the same janitorial service. My boss sends me over to show carpeting to this guy that's opening a diamond store in Chicago. He's from Detroit. Well, that man and I hit it off. And uh, he, he offered me a job. And I started working for him and he became the father I never had, even though I had a father that I loved. And I became the son he never had, even though he had a son. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so he became my mentor and I was so blessed to have him in my life. And then at 19 years old, I said, Sam, his name was Sam Robbins. I said, Sam, will you teach me everything? Just all of it, all of it. I mean, he was so wealthy and so happy and just all the things I wanted to have in my life. So I said at 19, I said, Sam, will you teach it all to me? And he said, okay, I will, but I want one thing from you. When the time is right, and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many people as you can everything I teach you. Mm. And so at 19 years old, I made a vow. I made an oath to my mentor that today has manifest as what we call Givers University. And that's how it came about. Wow. What a beautiful story. What a wonderful story. I mean, just that could be a movie in itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So that's that's beautiful. So um, and, and I think mentorship is also such an important thing that we often overlook, um, especially as in, in our society, as we get older, we seem to feel like we're not as useful um, in, in this culture. And it's such a beautiful thing to. Uh, to step into an age of wisdom and understand that as we get older, it's it's a beautiful gift to be able to mentor someone else or or in your case, many people. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, and, it, uh, and and because of that, Rachel, I've become, because of what my mentor blessed me with informationally, I became a huge advocate for mentoring. And and in my world, if you don't have a mentor, we I say that, the word I use is, it's naive. Mm. Because the, when you have a mentor, it's it's... It's an, it's a different kind of relationship. A coach is a great thing. It's great to have coaches. A coach can teach you a skill that you may need at any one snapshot in time. A mentor is much more personal. It's a more confidential, a much more intimate relationship. Uh, you know, why we think the things we do, not only the things we think, but why are we thinking that way? And, you know, and much more, much more personal hands on mental approach and, you know, and, and helping all aspects of our life. And that's what my mentor did. I mean, so I've become a huge advocate and, and I share with people when you're seeking, if you don't have a mentor, get one. And when you seek them, make sure you ask one question. What have you done? Don't be afraid to ask that question because I can, I've met in my life literally thousands of educated idiots. <laughs> and, 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 and I, and I say that jokingly because an educated idiot is someone that's, you know, they've read the books, they've learned all the information and they can spew it back at you, but they've never done it themselves. Sure. And, and there's, when someone has done it, themselves, yeah. they bring with them automatically all the things that didn't work. And that's where the wisdom is. Uh, that's, that's where the educated idiot, you, when you hire them, you're paying for their education because they haven't done it yet. You know, so you might just, you know, why don't you just say, I'll pay for you to go to school because that's what you're doing. But, you know, so when, a me- when seeking a mentor, don't be afraid to say, what have you done? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think one of the reasons June Martino, uh, going back to you know the whole McDonald's thing, why she shared with me what she did was when I asked about McDonald's and what happened, I think she sensed I was not asking because, you know, I wanted to schmooze up to June Martino, uh, who was this icon. I really wanted to know what happened, you know, what happened with McDonald's. And I think she sensed it. Yeah. And because of that, I mean, she literally set aside an entire day and brought me in the kitchen and had her maiden butlers bring this food. So she keep telling me a story. So I share that because real mentors will know the difference. Mm-hmm. They will sense why you're asking. They've been around the corner enough times. They have enough scars on their shins. They know. Intuitively, they know. And when you ask from a point of sincerity and they know the difference, it's amazing how really prosperous people will make the time to help you because they know how important that is for a person who sincerely wants to know. I, and I, I think, thank you for pointing that out because I think that's such an important point, the sincerity, the point of sincerity, because a lot of people can be like, yeah, how'd you, how'd you get rich? How'd you make, you know, yeah, yeah. that's, but, but that's very different from wanting to be a student of of this person and there is a humility attached to that and i think that might have been what june picked up on you know was that you were genuinely and i think that also probably played into your being able to manifest your actual mentor because of the you were ready you know they say when the student is ready the teacher will appear so uh there you go so let's talk a little bit about givers university what is it Right. Um, well, we, we, we teach something, uh, you know, and I think, as I mentioned earlier off there, this is like my 196th, 197th that I've looked interviewed since last April. And not one host has said, 
I know someone else teaching this. Mm. We teach something that is a skill that's not being taught anywhere else. And at first, to, to lay the groundwork, I want to say to your listeners, we love everybody. I say it again. We love everybody. And we teach a skill of how to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And by watching an observation skill that we teach them, this is a skill of observation and awareness. Watch what they're doing because people know how to tickle your ears with what they say. Watch what they're doing. And as we say in Givers University, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your talk, but your walk talks louder mm-hmm. than your talk talks, the deeds, the things we do. So we teach people, even by checklists, we actually give them checklists. Here's the things to watch them doing. Use it as a checklist and it'll help you discern based on what I'm seeing them do. Should I bring them closer into my life and become a part of my giver community? Or because of what I see and what I'm seeing them do, should I begin to respectfully, not rude or nasty, respectfully distance myself? Because if I bring them closer, they're going to make me collateral damage. And I ask your listeners, think about the fires you stomp out every day. Think about when your stress level goes up. Those things have something in common. The thing, the commonality is there's a name attached to them. And if we can learn the skill, of discernment on who we should have closer to us. It doesn't mean we don't love them and we don't we don't label people. When we say giver, when I say giver, we're we're identifying giver deeds, not the person. We're not labeling a person. We're labeling right. we're identifying the deeds. When we say taker, you know, it's not like invasion of the body snatchers, you know, taker, you know, we're not doing that. It's we're labeling the deeds of the person, not the person themselves. So we teach people the skill set of how to discern in your relationships. So your productivity goes up, your happiness quotient goes up because we're not doing all these other things because no one taught us, what should I be looking for? And it's like a few interviews ago, this guy said, wow, that's really great. I love this givers, take your stuff. And I read this book and this book says I should have five good people around me. And I said, you're right. You should have five good people around you. One question. Which five? Mm-hmm, right. And all of a sudden he's staring at me with this blank look. And I said, do you see my point? No one's teaching us which five. Mm-hmm. I said, so when we learn the art and the skill of discerning on who we should have close to us and who we shouldn't, these people have a profound impact on our business, socially, our family, and no one te- no one's teaching how do you, how do you discern, you know, mm-hmm. who? You know, you're a self-improvement person. I'm positive of that. I mean, I, I'm a self-improvement geek. I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners are. Yeah. But Rachel, no one's teaching. What about if the other guy's doing it wrong? What should I do about that? Uh-huh. You know, and, and, and it would be prudent to maybe distance myself because they're going to make my life really complex mm-hmm. and I'm going to be stopping out fires if I pull them in closer. Maybe, just maybe I shouldn't do that. So we teach that skill through these courses called Give to Be Great. That's the series name, Give to Be Great, Mm -hmm. that you can be great by being a giver. You don't have to be a taker to be great. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And and you've you've brought that up a couple of times. How might you define a giver versus a taker? That's a great question. Um, And and it's actually not like a word distinction, if you will. Uh, It's a cumulative distinction. Mm -hmm. Because again, from our standpoint, it's a 
observation of what they're doing, what we call the deeds. We have a checklist that's called the 25 do's. Uh, and it's a great checklist. We give it for free. We want people to have it. And, and actually, you can actually watch people doing things and you start on the left side making check marks, right side making check, and at the bottom total it. And you're already pointed in the right direction based on their deeds, not judging them as a person. Mm-hmm. but observing what they're doing. Are they doing the things that a giver would be doing versus the taker part? And then from that, then we can make a decision on how close we want to have them in our life. We even have HR people who even are doing this privately with themselves and, and watching, you know, what other people as a part of their hiring process to say, you know, because, you know, people can learn how to do a good resume. They can hire professional resume writers and all they're doing is tickling your ears. They're, are you? That's not... The person on the resume is not the person you're going to be managing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could give us a couple of examples of what givers do. For sure. Uh, One of them uh, would be a giver is willing to delay gratification for the end result. Mm -hmm. Ray Taker will say, pay me now, give me now, me now, me first. They're all, everything is me first and me only oriented with a taker. Whereas a, a giver will be the first one to step forward mm-hmm. and they will say, I'll do that. They'll be the first one to volunteer. And they're willing to delay the benefit that they will receive where a taker is instant gratification the whole time. Mm, right? Okay. Yeah. And, and the other part, uh, one of the other ones, of course, is the, to be on self-growth. You know, a, a giver will always be bettering their best. Uh, and a taker will be what we call a sophomore. You know, I, I've been around, I've read a couple of, I've read two books on self-improvement and, and I know they're all the same. All the information is the same. You know, and, and so there's a distinction in what they do from, you know, are they learning? Um, I can share with you, you know, learning from my mentor. I only had one superpower. You know, I say, what's your superpower? And I said, I don't really know it. And then one day I thought about it and I thought it really was simple. I had the ability to say, you know, I don't know about that. I'd love Mm. to learn. Would you teach me? Mm. And my mentor said, he said, you know, in an age, and we're in that right now, where everyone is so concerned about being preeminent Mm. and everyone wants to be the smartest person in the room. My mentor said, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. You're not going to learn nothing there. Go find a room where you can learn something, right? Beautiful, yeah. So to be able to learn and to be able to constantly be on that, you know, learning kind of thing uh, and and to humble ourselves down and say, you know, I don't know about that. I'd love to learn. Could you teach me? And then people begin, they look at us totally different because they're saying, well, he's not just in there trying to impress me with all the, you know, he really genuinely wants to learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's been a real blessing to have learned that from my mentor, how important that was. Yeah. And, and um, the whole idea of being able to ask for help, it really is a superpower because so many people are afraid of being vulnerable in that way. I want to look like the smartest person in the room. And if I ask for help or ask for clarification, it makes me maybe look like I'm not very smart. And so that, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, I work with patients for months <laughs> for them to be able to learn how to ask for help. Um, so, so if you could explain to us what a giver's community is, you talk a lot about communities in your, in your work. It, yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I, uh, I'm, as a uh, foundation for that, my mentor said to me, he said, when you're a giver, people will take advantage of you. Expect it. 
Mm-hmm. He said, but no one knows the second half of the sentence. That's only the first half. He said, let me give you the whole sentence. When you're a giver, people will take advantage of you, but you're never diminished when they do. They are diminished when they do. Mm-hmm. He said, there's the distinction no one ever knows, and they don't know the second part of the sentence. He said, so when you're a giver, people will take advantage of you, but you're never diminished. They are. They're diminished when they do it. Right. And he said, and, and watch how the giver scale of life constantly writes itself. So we we have been in the second round, I guess, of interviews, uh, the second hundred, if you will. I've, we've been working on helping people learn how to build a community. Uh, I know our time is very short here, so I'm just going to share, if yeah, I can, please. with people where to go to get the information absolutely free. Yes. Uh, go to our YouTube channel. It's Givers University, all one word, no spaces. It's plural, Givers University. Go to Gi- YouTube, just put Givers University in. The top playlist is how to form your own giver community. It's 21 two-minute clips. And each one of those two-minute clips, the first one is, what's the difference between a giver community and a taker community? How do I identify them, right? Then the next one is, and starts to, how do you, the ingredients of what a giver community should have. Then it gets into how to form a community. There's seven primary steps of forming your own community around you. Then the last four episodes, which are all two-minute clips, are the agenda. What do you do once your community is set up? What do you cover? What do you do? What should the agenda be and why should you have it that way? So we literally, it's 21 two-minute clips, absolutely free, walk through it step-by-step and share it with others because how we build those people around us and discern and have those people around us is so critical with businesses opening and closing faster than ever before, Mm -hmm. products being antiquated overnight by new products. When it's all done, what do we have left but our relationships? And no one's teaching us, how do you discern which ones? Right. So go to that playlist. That's the best place. Also, you can go to our website, sign up for our newsletter. It's absolutely free. Learn it there too. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, and and one of the questions was, how do we get in touch with you? But you now you've, you've, you've pointed that out. And so I want to make every, make sure that everyone knows I will have all of these links in the show notes so that um, people will be able to actively click on those and, and get more information from you. As we close out, what is some final advice you would like to share with our listeners? My mentor talked me into over four decades ago. Uh, and, and I can say that because recently I just had the 45th anniversary of my 21st birthday. So, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, carry the three. Let's see, you got carry the three and then you put another, yeah. That equals. So uh, uh, it, he, he talked me into saying something to myself every day. And I, and I love your podcast because he shared with me, he said, you know, you have 35 conversations with yourself every minute in your own head. He yep. said that comes out to be 1,250,000 little quiet conversations you will have with yourself in your own head every year. 1,250,000 conversations. No one can say those conversations don't have impact. That's right. He said, so let me give you some things you can add into those conversations you have in your own. He's talking to me. You can have in your own little head. He said, here it is. He said, these three phrases, begin to say these three phrases to yourself every day. He talked me into it. And I've said this to myself multiple times every day 
for over four decades. And as fortunes came and went and came and went and came and went, as I got tackled a thousand times and stood up and started running again, mm-hmm. all those things, these three phrases helped me. I share them with your listeners and I hope they help them and they begin to say them as well. The three phrases are as follows. I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm, and I'm not going to say another thing that we're just going to let those resonate in the air. EA, thank you so much for being on Self Talk. Thank you so much, Rachel, for having me.